Steve Ray, welcome on to Talking Catholic. How you doing? Doing very good. Uh, your hair journey? Just hope it doesn't go this way. <laughs> At least you have it to journey with. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We'll see. Maybe, 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 maybe not. <laughs> Steve, welcome on to Talking Catholic. We're so we're so happy to have you here, especially on this feast of the Immaculate Conception. So um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Converse like myself, you posted my, my Converse story on your, on your website some years ago. But, you know, when I came into the Catholic Church, um, it was a quite a simple experience. I was in I was in prison. I was doing time for embezzlement. I had, embezzled, I had borrowed some money from the government and um, they didn't like that. I borrowed money. And so um, but so I became Catholic there. And but. It wasn't like a or you know it was, it was a white collar crime, so we had cable TV, um, swimming pools. So, but anyway, we had your videos as well, and we had the footprint videos, and the the way you used to explain the faith was just at that time. I mean, it was just so basic. I remember, and I know you're gonna talk about this. The thing that just I, I've never forgot. The thing that I still talk about today when I teach RCA is when I'm talking about the Macula Conception. Is you fell in the mud. You're you're explaining. About how how Mary how she's unlike us in sin and you just fell in the mud. That's like the funniest thing. <laughs> I remember the class I was in. We all just fell out laughing, and so that was great. Do you, do you do you um are you like aware of like how people like yourself and Scott Hahn and Patrick Madrid are you like conscious of the impact that you've had on like Catholic converts like myself? I don't like to think about it. I'm 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 really pretty much a simple guy. And anything that's happened is by the grace of God. And um, I know, because a lot of people come up and tell me and I get emails about people coming back into the Catholic Church because of this or that I've done or said. But, uh, you know, my wife reminds me and my kids that I'm just a simple, normal guy. And uh, God has blessed me. And, you know, I was born and raised a Baptist. I had great parents. They wouldn't get me a television. They read books to me. My mom, my dad and mom read books to me every day. And when I got married, I re did the same with my kids. And then when we converted to the Catholic Church, I always loved the Bible, but I love the Bible even more now. And my mom said, even when I was a kid, I would always get the game started. I'd, you know, everybody would be at my house for baseball after school because I was like an organizer, you know, just I guess it's in my genetic code. Yeah. It's a, it's a grace that God gave me, I guess. And so then when I became Catholic, I already loved the Bible and I love to tell people about Jesus. I couldn't stop. I sold my business and I do this all the time. And I guess it works. One of the reasons it works, though, David, is because I'm not a theologian or a philosopher. I'm just a simple guy that likes to tell stories. Yeah. And that's the way most of us are. Most of us aren't philosophers or theologians. Right, right, right. And I try not to talk over people's heads. I try to talk simple like like I am, and I guess it works. And so I don't really think about the results. I leave that up to God, and I'm, hmm. I'm happy if he uses me, but um, I kind of leave it at that. Yeah, he definitely has used you. I mean, but where did he find you at? You're, I mean, just just briefly, I mean, because you, you come from the Protestant tradition. Yeah, my mom and dad were converts. They they were good pagans, and they got married, and they had uh, moved to Detroit because that my dad worked at Ford, got a job at Ford Motor Company, and uh, my mom heard Billy Graham on the radio one day, 1953, mm -hmm. 
And she said, Steve, I fell on my knees on the kitchen floor and I dropped my purse and my keys, everything. And I just said, dear God, save me like that man just talked about on the radio. And um, my dad also, they both became Baptists, 1953. They had 12 years of miscarriages, no kids for 12 years. And my mom says, now that I found Jesus, please give me kids. I'll raise them for you. And I got, I was born a year later. So she said I was a real answer to her prayer until I became Catholic and then God misunderstood her prayers. (laughs) (laughs) So so they, they raised me to love the Bible and uh, we had a great family and I had two younger brothers and we had to memorize Bible verses. We had to do this too. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st Samuel, 1st St. Kings, 1st St. Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Psalm, Prophets, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those are the books of the Old Testament. And even if I made a mistake, nobody on your show would know it. But uh, I did. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to listen for the, the listen for the Septuagint version. They, I uh, left seven books out. <laughs> Because <laughs> I memorized the Catholic, the the Protestant list when I was a little boy, and I can't go back and and redo it now. Right, you know? right, right. So um, anyway, I I just at seventeen, I'll make this short. At seventeen, I was a hippie kid because I'm sixty six years old now, and eighteen grandchildren, by the way. And I was I was long hair. I know you can't, you won't believe it now, but I used to have long hair down on my shoulders and bell-bottom blue jeans, and I was a hippie, rebellious kid back in the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all those those days in the 60s and 70s. And um, I heard Billy Graham on the radio when I was 17 years old, and I tried not to listen to it, but the Holy Spirit just grabbed me, David. I couldn't I couldn't walk away, and I quickly slipped out the back door, didn't want my mom and dad to see me after because i for two years i'd been kind of a rebel oh, okay um from 15 to 17 years old and i walked out the country road there we lived out in the country and i i looked up at the stars and i said jesus i'm only 17 years old but tonight i'm going to give my life to you completely and that was the most important day of my whole life here's steve ray raised a baptist now in a baptist kind of way i gave my life to jesus and he said okay i'll take it and he did and then I wanted to be an evangelist and a Bible teacher, and I started my own business and raised a family, did a lot of evangelism, Bible teaching in churches and things. Mm-hmm. When I was 39 mm-hmm. years old, I finally discovered the Catholic Church. So the way I like to save David is that when I was 17, Jesus introduced himself to me. Yeah. And when I was 39, he said, it's now time for you to meet my family. And oh. the Catholic Church. Yeah. Part of meeting his family was meeting his mother. That's a, that's a sure thing because I wasn't too concerned about her before. Yeah. What were your, what were your thoughts about Mary while you were outside the church, outside well, of the institutional church? God decided that he didn't want to just go poof and create his mother on earth. He didn't, he didn't want to just kind of like drop out of the clouds and say, hello, everybody. I'm the son of God. I just dropped in from, from heaven. And um, I, I'm like you, but, he wanted to be one of us. Right. He wanted to actually have human DNA. He wanted to be born a baby so he could relate to us and come into the human race so that then he could be as one of us. He could take us with him back up into heaven. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I always just said, well, you know, he could have used any woman. Mary was just a lucky one. And, and actually, 
I heard a guide in Israel one time. This is why when you go to the Holy Land, you got to make sure you go with, with me. Because <laughs> so, I heard it one guide one time say, the angel, he came down to Nazareth and he talked to all the girls and they all said, nah, nah, I don't want to do it. And he finally found a girl named Mary and she said, okay, I'll do it. And so he said, okay. And then that's how Mary got chosen. <laughs> I said, you know, you, you just denied the whole immaculate conception. You just denied the whole teaching of the incarnation that yeah. has been taught for 2000 years. So my attitude was that Mary was just any other girl, anybody, God could have used any girl and he chose this one and she said, yes, so that's it. Mary is a sinner like everybody else. She died and she's buried, dead and buried like everybody else. And there's nothing special about her other than she got chosen and gave birth to Jesus. That was the way, it, it kind of a crude way of saying it. I used to yeah. refer to her as a virginal, conduit a vaginal i'm sorry a vaginal conduit in other words she's just a pipe god just kind of shot the baby out through her and that the only importance was that she was the pipeline wow so like she wasn't she was nothing special to you no, no, at no. all she was catholic when you, when we were to hear about mary we'd imme immediately think of catholics who worship mary and they make more big deal about mary than they do jesus and they made her part of the trinity and uh, all of these crazy misconceptions that we had about Mary. And I, I heard a lot of sermons in Protestant churches on Hannah, Sarah, Eve, Elizabeth. I never once heard a sermon on Mary because I think the pastors were afraid if they gave a sermon on Mary, people would say, uh-uh, he's going Catholic. Watch that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. talking about Mary. Right, 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 right. So... What what happens though? You become, you know, you start your transition journey to the Catholic Church. Was that this new understanding with the Catholic Church teaches? Was was that hard for you, or no? Did you just accepted on authority. Both, okay. not on authority. I don't. I don't do anything based on authority. I, I'd say to people that I'm Catholic mainly because I'm a skeptic. Mm -hmm. And then they say, "Well, no. If you're a skeptic, that means you wouldn't be a Catholic." No, I'm a skeptic, which means that I have to challenge everything. I want to know something's true. I want to ask questions. I want to plumb the depths of it. I want to argue with it before I'm ever going to accept it as true. Yeah. And so for me, um, I already loved the Bible. I knew it from a Baptist standpoint. And what happened to me was a friend of mine converted to the Catholic Church. And I tried to prove him wrong. I told him, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're way too smart to be a Catholic. And I tried to prove to him that he was wrong. But over a year's time, my wife and I studying, we proved it was right. And so I was afraid at one time because being Catholic was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. Yeah. Yes. No way did I want to be a Catholic. They follow that old man in Rome. They let the old man tell him what to do. They... They have this crazy thing about bread and wine becoming the body and blood of Christ like magic. They got this Mary that they all bow down and worship. And we have the Bible. They have tradition. We have we pray to God. They pray to dead saints. We get to heaven by our faith and they get to heaven by all their good works. And I didn't want nothing to do with being Catholic. So in one way, when this started to open up in my mind, I was terrified but at the same time, I was exhilarated because I have always been a rebel. I've always been countercultural. Okay. I've never followed the crowd. Okay. And 
I realized that the best way to be countercultural, the best way to be a rebel is to be a real authentic Catholic. So in a way, I started getting really excited about being Catholic. In fact, that's how I got my son. My son wanted to get, you know, rings and tattoos and all this stuff. I didn't even know where he wanted to get them all. <laughs> uh, I didn't even ask him. I said, why? He said, Dad, I want to be different. I said, Jesse, everybody's getting tattoos and body piercing. If you want to be different, be an authentic Catholic, son. You'll be more different. Everybody will notice you. And he yeah. took me up on it. And eight kids later, my son is the best Catholic around. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, so I was a little terrified at first, but then I got excited about it because when I realized it was true, then I realized I had found the best kept secret in the world. And it was the best way to be countercultural in the world, too. Yeah. So why did why did Mary have this? I mean, today's the Feast of Immaculate Conception, right? Why was the Immaculate Conception necessary? I mean, because why didn't why couldn't have God just made Jesus the Immaculate One, right? Yeah. Why? Well, Thomas Aquinas, if I recall, I'm not going to read this exactly, said that it was not something that was necessary but it was a grace and a gift that was appropriate for what God was asking his mother to do or this girl to do. It wasn't the appropriate. Now, I do think in some ways it was necessary because I'm sure your, most of your listeners, watchers know what typology is. Things in the Old Testament that picture or prefigure realities in the New Testament. For example, when the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, that was a picture of water baptism. Once they came out of the Red Sea, went through water baptism, they got in the wilderness. And what could they eat? The manna, which is the Eucharist. Yeah, See, so yeah. the Old Testament is full of those pictures. Now, in the Garden of Eden, we have Adam and Eve in a garden, naked in innocence, at a tree of life, which they ended up bringing about death. And then they were kicked, made to be clothed and kicked out of the garden. Now, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15 refers to Jesus as the last Adam or the second Adam. And where did the whole passion take place? It started in the Garden of Gethsemane. And John tells us the cross and the tomb were in a garden. So the whole thing is you're supposed to think when you think about Jesus and the cross, you're supposed to think of another garden. There was a garden in Eden where they brought about death at the tree of life. Now there's a new garden where the new Adam is bringing about life at the tree of death. And who's in that garden at the tree with him? Mary is at the foot of the cross. Right. So Mary, the early church fathers, if there's a first, a first, a first and second Adam and a first Eve, then who's the second or the last Eve? And the fathers of the church said that Mary was the new Eve. And if Mary was in the garden and she was immaculately conceived as Eve and she was the mother of all mankind, then the new Eve should also be immaculately conceived to start a new humanity. But why, though, if... You know, because that's really, I mean... You know, here in 2020, I mean, we have a lot of, do we just take things for granted, right, about about that? 
I mean, because we, we hear about Mary, you know, she's, you know, she, April, Gabriel comes and, and, and sees her um, and gives her, you know, gives her her calling and lets her, you know, you know, you know, she has some questions at first and, but and then she's accepted, you know, she says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. And that seems really just, you know, kind of easy though, right? Is it, but what is Mary going through? Give, give it, put us in, into her place right then when all this is going on, because you're a great storyteller. Okay. First of all, she lives a very rustic life. All right. People think today Mary got up in the morning and she went into the to the restroom, you know, that porcelain toilet there in the corner and then washes her hands with a disinfectant soap. And she goes out and makes a cup of coffee for Joseph and uh, turns on the gas grill. And But she lived in a cave. They didn't even have houses then. They lived in caves. They had they built fronts like a facade to the front of the cave. Yeah. So I like to ask people, it's a little earthy, but what do you think the Holy Family did? What do you think Mary did first thing in the morning? Everybody says, she prayed. And I said, well, is that the first thing you do in the morning? And they said, well, no, we go to the bathroom. Well, this is the same way with the Holy Family. Mary was not an angel. She was, she, she was a real girl and very rustic life. And here's the way I think it happened with the angel coming to her that day. Mm -hmm. she The women went to get the water and the water was 15 minutes away. There was no running water in her cave and there was no well or spring outside her door. The girls and men never got water. This was the girl's job, women. Women got the water. Mary would have to every morning and every night when she's a little girl and when she's a mother with Jesus, when he's older, she's a mother. Every single day, you know, Mary did something at least twice. She put that jug of water, that jug on her head. She walked 15 minutes to the well, filled that jug up with water and brought it back down that muddy little path to her house. Now it's a dirt path and it rains in Nazareth. I've been there when it's rained four inches in a day. So that's muddy path. I liked, and Mary was at the time of the Annunciation, when the angel came to her, Mary was only about 15 years old. She wasn't a you know college graduate wearing, wearing her high heels and her you know her uh, sweater with her le the letter on it from her university. She was a 15 year old girl, and when she came back from the well, if it rained, it sounded like this in her little bare feet walking through the mud. And people don't think of Mary like that. But when you've been to Israel like 180 times like I have, <laughs> and I've been to there, I've been to Nazareth over 100 times, to Israel itself over 180, and you, you, you realize that when you are walking there, you have flies buzzing around your head. It, you, it, you would bear, those days you were barefoot or little sandals. Now Mary's at the well, and she comes back home, and she, set, she goes into the entrance of the cave, and it's still there, by the way. You can go there and see the cave where Mary lived. And she sets the jug down. And this is what I, my imagination, how I think it happened, is that the entrance of the cave was darkened. And Mary went and said, Mom, somebody's in the entrance. I go see who it is. And she went out. And she saw in the entrance of the cave an archangel. And I don't think the archangel is standing up saying, Hello, Mary. Nice to see you. I think the angel was down with his wings on the ground because he knew who this girl was. Mm -hmm. He knew someday she was going to be his boss. <laughs> and then he says, everybody prays this way, hail Mary, right? Yeah. That's yeah. not what the angel said. He didn't say Mary. He said, hail Kahare Tomene. 
There's a Greek word there in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke. And John Paul II said that kahare tomene, which is translated full of grace. That word kahare tomene is Mary's name in the eyes of God. When God looks at her, he sees kahare tomene. And it's a complicated, Greek is very um, complex language, more so than English. And so that word has a past and a present part to it. It means you who were made full of grace in the past and who remain in the state of grace to this day. And it wasn't done by you, but it's in the passive sense, meaning it was done to you. Somebody made you full of grace in the past and you are still full of grace to this day. Oh. And what does full of grace mean? It means that the life of God, when Adam and Eve had the grace in their soul. As soon as they sinned, that grace died. It was gone. That's why we have to be baptized to get sanctifying grace. So what means is Mary always had that grace. It was never gone from her. She had the life of God in her. And had she sinned like Eve, that grace would have been gone. And then she would have needed to, but Mary, from the moment of conception, God preserved her from sin. Mary did not have sin. She was the kahare tomene. And the fathers of the church saw that that meant she is full of grace. And in other words, it's saying she's the all holy one. So even in that name, kahare tomene, you already have in there the germ or the concept of the immaculate conception. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's exciting, don't you? I mean, that's very exciting. I even I never even considered that. Right? That's that's amazing. That's that's rich. Because I mean, it, it, it speaks of like a, a covenantal language. It speaks of the the uh, you know when God sees us, you know He sees the eternal right now. I mean, the past, the present, the future, and that's just always been Mary's. That just speaks of Mary's always, um, always been there in, in that sense. He chose her from the foundation of the world. Yeah, we first hear about her in Genesis three fifteen, because after the first Eve sinned. God says to the devil, I'm going to bring enmity. Yeah. I'm going to bring warfare between you and this woman. Mm-hmm. And not just between you and this woman, but between her seed. Yeah. Meaning the coming of Mary and Jesus. Yeah. So already in Genesis, in the garden is prophesied the coming of Mary, yeah. who's going to bring a son into the world. And she's going to be like Eve. And Eve was immaculately conceived. Eve did not have sin until she chose to have sin. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so Mary is the new, is the second Eve. She's the new Eve, starting a whole new humanity. Yeah, and I like how you. I mean, because we have a lot of, we have two thousand years almost of just these pristine images of the Blessed Mother Mary. Even more, of course, these more recent years, these images of Mary being her in her room with a bed, right, and a mattress <laughs> and sheets, and 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 an angel Gabriel comes to her. And just, you know, Mary's just always clean and polished. You know, she's always wearing, you know, but I like the, I mean, she's, I mean, it really connects. I mean, cause Christ was like us in every way, but sin, yep. but Mary as well. I mean, she, she's walking barefoot or she, these, these sandals or feet, her feet are dirty. Yeah. But, and also in a sense that Mary, she, she's like us in, in a lot of senses as well. I mean, of course, when I can see the immaculately, but Mary, her life wasn't, even though the angel Gabriel comes to her at a very early age, like you say, her life is not a piece of cake, is it? 
No, let me, let me give you a couple of examples of that. I have a talk that I give called the other Sor sorrows of Mary. We know that there's a devotion called the Dolorosas of Mary about yeah. uh, the, you know, the seven different things. But yeah. when the angel came to her and said, well, she's not married yet. Okay. She's engaged. She's betrothed. So she's legally on paper. It's like being legally married, but she's not living with Joseph. So she's not yet fully married, only the first step. And the angel says, you're going to give birth to a son. Even Mary is a little concerned. And she says, well, wait, how will that be? Because I don't know a man. In other words, I'm not, I'm not having relations with a man. I'm engaged. But that, that answer itself, David, is rather strange because every Jewish girl wanted to be the mother of the Messiah. So if the angel came and said, um, you're going to give birth to a son, she'd go, oh, great. I'm going to be the mother of the king of Israel. Great. Joseph and I are going to be married. We're going to move in. And I'll that first baby, will it be the first baby? <laughs> but Mary doesn't answer that way. She doesn't say, oh, that's great. I can't wait. She says, well, how will that be? Because I don't have relations with a man. In other words, she had already pledged that she was going to live a life of virginity. So if I've already made that pledge to God, I can't go back on it. So how am I going to have a baby? Amen. And the angel said, it'll be by the Holy Spirit. And then Mary has to think this way. In the Old Testament, what happens if a girl got pregnant out of wedlock? She would be stoned to death. Right. That was the punishment for having a, a sex outside of marriage either before you're married or in, in adultery with adultery. Yeah. And if you had, if you were shown to be pregnant that way, the husband, the, the, either the husband or the betrothed would have the right to put you away or, and you could be stoned for that. So just think of Mary when the angel said to her, you're going to give birth to a son. If I was Mary, I would have said, okay, but will you do me a favor, dear angel? Would you tell everybody else in Nazareth what you just told me? <laughs> because they're not going to believe this. Right. When I come out of my cave and I'm pregnant, they're all going to point at me. They're going to start rumors and gossip. How did she get pregnant? She's not even married to Joseph. She made a pledge of virginity. What did Mary do? See, right. it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be a lot of gossip going on, right? There <laughs> <laughs> and it's a town of only 250 people. Can you imagine 250 people, how the gossip would spread? Yeah. And that's, it, I think when Mary said yes to the angel, it was a moment of joy, but it was also a moment of great sorrow and concern Yeah. because she knew what she was getting into. Now, here's another one. Same passage of scripture. We don't even pay attention to this verse when we heard it today at mass. At the end of the Annunciation, it says, and then the angel departed from her. We just, oh. Right. But, but here's a 15-year-old girl. She's standing in the entrance of her cave. The angel just told her she's going to give birth to a son without a man. And that she's going to be gossiped and rumored about, most likely. And she said yes. And then the angel leaves her. How does a 15-year-old girl process all of that? How do you even, it's like a, it's like a hard drive on a computer going, chit, 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 trying to understand all of that. Yeah. And it said a couple times in the gospel of Luke that Mary, she pondered these things in her mind. Yeah, yeah. Pond, she tried to understand them yeah. and the angel didn't tell her everything. And he didn't come back every day and say, oh, by the way, I want to 
stopping by today to give you an update. Here's what's going to happen today. So don't worry about this. You know, the angel left her and Mary, the 15-year-old girl, is left to try to figure out what did that angel just say to me? What does that mean for my life? What should I do now? I think she probably said, Mom! And went and told her mom. But I think also, David, that's why it says she made haste to go visit Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know how far that was, by the way? Do you know how far Mary went to visit Elizabeth in her uh, little feet? No, it was in the hill country, right? So it's the hill country of Judea. Yeah. 90 miles. And that's, 90 that's, miles. that's traveling or is that just as the cock crows? That's as the cock crows. It, it wow. would be, it would, she probably walked a hundred miles when, you know, up and down hills and you had to go follow the water. If you knew there's a spring over uh, here and she'd have to go in a caravan, she couldn't have gone by herself. She'd have to go in a caravan because a 15 year old girl then or today cannot just set off across the country walking. But that's the only person she can really talk to really that may understand something because the, um, the angel Gabriel also communicated her that God had done something in Elizabeth's life yes. as, as well. So right. very good. I, I never thought about that. So there, there's somebody there she can share something with. And Elizabeth is 100% Aaronic priesthood. Zechariah and Elizabeth, were he was a high priest. And the Gospels say that both Elizabeth and Zechariah were 100% of the priesthood. Wow. So she's obviously a spiritual woman. And she, I think that Mary went there for a spiritual retreat. And Elizabeth was her retreat master, maybe. She went there for counseling and also to get away from town. She, I think she wanted to get out of town for a while, go visit Elizabeth, get Elizabeth's, but people say Mary went to help Elizabeth because Elizabeth's given a baby. Elizabeth was a wife of a high priest. They were filthy rich. <laughs> Yeah, she has she has some she has some hand she has some help some, oh she some had maids or whatever yeah more servants and midwives she yeah. yeah right Mary went there I think for a spiritual retreat to get out of town go visit Elizabeth to have time to pray and think and meditate about all that had just happened to her but then she's shocked when she comes to the house right because then Elizabeth said how's how's this that the that the Theotokos the the mother of my God. Uh, I mean, so that has that again. I mean, uh, this young girl hears this. Yep, she'd heard that the baby was going to be the son of David, which means the king. But Elizabeth uses the word Lord, which is the word used for God. Mm -hmm. So she said, "Who am I that the mother of my Lord or of my God will come yeah. to me?" Do you want a good pro-life argument, Mary? It says that she made haste. And went to the hill country of Judea. So let's say it took her five days to pack her little suitcase. Give her five days. <laughs> say she walked 20 miles a day. So it'd take her five days to get there. So that's 10 days. How big was the baby in her womb at that time? Not, 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 not yeah. You'd need a microscope to see yeah. the little cells. Yeah. Uh, yet Mary is greeted by John the Baptist who leaps in his mother's womb because he sees that those little cells there are 100% man and 100% God. It's a human being with a soul. Wow. And wow. we always see pictures of Mary with Elizabeth. She's very pregnant. You know, like big, big Mary. Yeah. Mary, you would never have known she was pregnant. No. 
Yeah, and, but John the Baptist, he gives the first ultrasound in all of scripture. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm <laughs> going to use that. I'm going to use that. That's good. And Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord? What's in your womb is a real human being with a soul, and he's God and man. Just think if Mary had gotten an abortion. Man. This is a pro-life argument for us that I don't think we use enough. But yeah, anyway... You said Mary was surprised. You know why she went to the hill country of Judea? Luke is telling us something about Mary because Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. In the old, have you heard that about this story before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's that's fascinating. I won't repeat it all because you tell me you're talking about you going back to the Samuel when the when the yes. ark when the ark was there with the house of um over oh, yeah. Edom. You are one of the first people I've ever talked to that knows Second Samuel like that. I've asked people, nobody knows. You're the one of the first ones that ever said back in the book of Samuel. Good <laughs> for you. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah I, th I thought that was one of the greatest, as you, you said, typology, because they're both in the hill country for like three months, right? Yep. And and then they um and and, and then the Ark of the, the Covenant, um, the, the parallel there is when the Ark of the Covenant comes in with King David, he starts breakdancing. I mean, he's just dancing all over the place. And it's the same with John the Baptist. He's in the womb just doing backflips, right? Yep. And David danced in front of the ark and so did uh, John the Baptist. Yeah. And David said, who am I that the ark of the Lord should come to me? And Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And they yeah. both stayed in the hill country for three months and both houses were blessed. Yeah. And obviously, Luke was telling us something about who and what Mary was for those yeah. who have eyes to see. Yeah. I love how Luke, I love how Luke does that. He just plays on, on, on Samuel. Um, so what I think he plays on a little bit, um, late in the, I think he does plays a little bit on Kings as well. Um, Maccabees, the last place we hear about the, the Ark is in a, in a cave in Maccabees. And um, so it's, man, so many, so many, but tell us a little bit about um, what do we know about her parents? And why should we trust Catholic tradition on this? This is a great story, actually. And it fits with this because today is the day that Mary was born. And she was born the Immaculate. I, I'm sorry. This is the day of the Immaculate Conception. This is the day Mary was conceived, not born. She will be born nine months from now. But Mary was conceived today, the Immaculate Conception. So when we talk about the, uh, the Immaculate Conception, it's the day Mary is conceived. Now, her father and mother... Zachariah, I mean, Joachim and Anna. Joachim and Anna were Mary's parents, and they did not have children. They were old. They were beyond childbearing years, like Abraham and Sarah. Oh. And the father, Zechariah, said he went out into the wilderness, put up a tent, and he said, I'm going to stay out here for 40 days and 40 nights, and I'm going to fast and pray until you give me a child. Eliz uh, uh, Anna went into the garden, and she was distressed because the people wouldn't let them come to the temple. They said, God has punished you. You don't have children because of God. you must be sinned. So you can't come to the temple. So she went in the garden and she cried and prayed to God. And she saw birds in a nest, sparrows in a laurel tree, it says. And the, ba the birds are having babies. And she says, why did the birds have babies? But I can't have a baby. I'm your daughter. I'm your, one of your people. And yet the birds can have, the seas are full of fish and they can have babies, but I can't have babies. The gardens grow fruit and I can't grow fruit. The angel Gabriel came to her and to her husband and said, you'll have a baby. And so then she did have a baby and the baby was named Mary. 
and Mary was um, breastfed for three years. That's how long they breastfed babies in the biblical times because oh. they couldn't take them up to CVS or the drugstore <laughs> and get the formula. Similac. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. And they want the and the nutrition was so important because a lot of babies died in the first three years. And so once three years old, then they would wean the baby. But she said, the baby that you give me, I will dedicate to the Lord and I, they will serve in the temple. So when Mary was born, the mother said it when she was nine months old, she set her down on the ground and Mary walked to Anna. But then Anna said, I'm going to never let her walk on the ground again. Because if you think about what Jerusalem would have been like, or any areas, there's all animals, there's no plumbing, it would have been filthy. Wow. And you, 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 it would just smell bad. And I lived on a farm when I was a boy, I can tell you what it's like. Oh. And so th then they said at three years old, they had a big feast to celebrate her being three years old, and having lived that long, you know, and then they put her on the third step of the temple, and she danced, and everyone loved her. And then she went into the temple and served in the temple until she was about the time of her menstrual period. And then because of that, she would have had to leave the temple. And I think that's when they moved up to Nazareth again. And that's where she met Joseph. And then the angel came and spoke to her. So that's in a short, it's in a document called the Proto-Evangelium of James. Okay, okay, okay. And it was written in the second century. And the early Christians put great stock in that. They studied that and knew it very, very well. In fact, how do we know Mary's parents were Joachim and Anna? from that document, not from the Bible. We know it from that document, second century, Proto-Evangelium of James, means the first good news of James. Interesting. And there was, was there, there was, there was some in early church who thought that was making arguments that that sh book should be part of the canon, right? I don't know about that one specifically. I know that there were other books that were, that one I don't know about, but I know that there was the book of Clement and the Shepherd of Hermas and the yeah. Didache and others. It yeah. took 400 years before the collection of books was made in the New Testament. <laughs> the Bible did not just fall out of heaven. Right, right. We did pretty good for almost three centuries without a Bible, right? Without oh, yeah. yeah. We <laughs> had apostolic tradition and the bishops. and the... Yeah, but... um. And Steve, I love the way you're explaining this, but it sounds like, man, why did it? So why did it take so long for the church to define this as a dogma? Catholics were obliged to believe this. Yes. There's such a thing as development of doctrine. Doctrine develops. Okay. In other words, Jesus taught the disciples for three years. These guys are very dense. After three years of being with Jesus, they still didn't have a clue. <laughs> and then Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes and they start doing a little better. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he does a pretty good job of preaching. And they went out and taught then and they taught and they preached and it became the apostolic, uh, the apostolic tradition. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until what... Okay, let me, in my movie on Mary, you, you described me falling in the mud, but I also oh, have yeah. a red cabbage. I don't remember if you remember me with a red cabbage. I and know. I explain, I'm peeling layers off the cabbage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm yeah. saying, this is the deposit of faith God gave to the church. Mm -hmm. Everything we need to know is represented here in this cabbage. Now, we don't see all of it at once because 
the deposit of faith is very complex. It's not easy to understand. But over the centuries, we pull the leaves off the cabbage and we get deeper and deeper. We say, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. And we get deeper. It's not a new doctrine. It's always been there. Okay. But we're now learning to understand it more by the help of the Holy Spirit and our experience. We're learning more to unpack the deposit of faith that was given to us by our Lord. So normally what happens with the doctrine, David, and I'm sure you know this, is that the church has always said that doctrines are developed only when they're challenged. And right. Yeah, we have we've had some of our best counsels in response to heresy, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What happens is we knew these things. Everybody knew Mary was all holy. Everybody knew from the beginning that she was an ever virgin. Everybody knew it was a miraculous virgin birth. Those things were all known. But then somebody comes along and says, no, a guy named Helvidius in the 300 said, oh, no, I think Mary had other children. Mm. Well, St. Jerome jumped right down that guy's throat. <laughs> and nobody would dare teach anything like that again for a long time until the Protestant deformation, because <coughs> Alvedius answered that so well. So what happened, was, for example, now this guy named Jesus, he goes up to heaven. We know from what he did that he was a man, but we also know that he was God. So, well, how do you figure that out? How do you, how can a guy be both God and man? So they start to develop that doctrine. Mm -hmm. And then a guy named Arius comes along mm -hmm. and Arius was a priest. And he said, well, the reality is Jesus is a creature. There was a time when he was not and God created him. Yeah. And then the church said, no, 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 no. He is God eternal. And then they developed the doctrines. So with Mary, Nobody challenged it. It was understood. The church believed in Mary's. They, they didn't always call it the Immaculate Conception. They called it the All Holy One. She was all holy. Okay, okay. Augustine says, don't ever, ever let my hear ears hear anyone speak of sin in relationship to Mary. Okay, okay. So they all knew that. But then the, the church decided either because it was challenged or because there was a need for it that it needed to be emphasized that Mary was from the beginning, all holy and the immaculate conception. Uh, yeah. That's so the doctrines don't get defined. So another ways of looking at this is the later a doctrine gets defined, the more everyone believed it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that, that, that before. It's like, yeah, because it's kind of like the law. We kind of, we don't make, we don't make laws until someone does something stupid, right? It's like, Oh, we should make a law. So nobody does that again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Let's get to a few questions. Cause you know, I don't want to keep Steve. I told Steve in the email, we're going to keep him here for, for an hour. And so we're a little bit close to that. So let's get to some, some questions over here. I got one from, um, um, Shelly, Shelly says, um, Hey David, thanks for having Steve on Steve Ray on. My question to Steve is how can we be a light of Christ in these terrible times? How can we stay happy? Oh boy. Well, first of all, remember that there's never been times that were not terrible. Every generation has had its trials. Think of during world war two, if you were a Christian in Germany living under Nazi Germany, like um, Pope Benedict was, or think if you were during the Protestant Reformation where you were being persecuted and um, 
tortured and things by the Protestants. They were killing Catholics in England. The, all the priests, it was illegal. You get a priest, they would kill the priest. They would cut his intestines out while he was still alive. And then they would stretch him on four horses and rip his body into four directions. There's been very terrible times. So remember, there's never been a golden age in the church. Every one of our brothers and sisters all through time have had terrible troubles and trials, some far more than we have. We've been very lucky in America for the last hundred or so years. But to answer the question, though, is we have to keep remembering that God is in charge. We are not in charge. It's not my job to fix everything. It's my job to be faithful to him, both faithful in my own holiness and faithful as a witness to Jesus Christ and to the world. And to remember Romans 8.38, a verse I had to memorize when I was a little Baptist boy. This, Paul says, remember that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Mm -hmm. So if God has called you and you're his child, everything that happens to you though you don't understand it or realize it at the time, and you may think God is being really unfair and creepy, the reality is, is that in your life, if you submit yourself completely to him, everything that happens in your life is for your good, and you'll understand it all in the end. And we have to be joyful. Paul wrote to the, the Philippians. The, the key word in Philippians is rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. No matter what happens, if you're in trouble, rejoice. God's in your life. He's working in your life. You above everybody else have the confidence to know that God is working in your life. And even if things are going bad, it's because, you know, when I had my son, I used to punish him when he'd do things wrong. Sometimes I let him struggle. I remember one time we went for a walk and the snow was three feet deep and I let him walk through it because he was being a little stubborn. And he'd walk through it, walk through it. He just kept falling down. And finally he says, Dad, help. And I reached down and helped him. But I didn't reach down and help him at first. I let him struggle. It was good for his muscles. It was good for his determination. God, oftentimes, we're in tough times. God let, uses those tough times to make us holy, to make us more obedient to him. But always know that He's we're in his hands and we can trust him. That's how I live every day. Yeah, yeah. And Mary, you know, she's at she's 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 in the upper room, right? Yeah. Um, but what if Mary had received the whole Eucharist? Does Mary eat her son? Well, yes. In fact, you know, there's an interesting thing that when you when they find out scientifically now, I put up a blog about this a while ago. When a mother gives birth to a baby, some of that baby's cells stay in the mother's body. Did you know that? The mother gives yeah. her cells to the baby. But every mother has some of the cells of her baby still in her body for the rest of her life. So Jesus already has cells of Mary in him. And Mary has living cells of her son in her. And yes, she would have still had the body and blood of Christ. She would have had that same thing. And you know why Mary was in the upper room is because what happened in the upper room? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. It's the birthday of the church. And if the church is the body of Christ, who has to be in the upper room for the birthday? <laughs> Mary had to be in the upper room to give birth to the body of Christ, the new, the new uh, the mystical body of Christ. Mary's the mother oh, of the church. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So the birth of the church, birthday, mom's there. Mom's got to be there. And she's, makes laboring, a lot of she's laboring in prayer to bring about the yeah. body of Christ. But she doesn't. But would you agree that Mary doesn't have to eat 
she doesn't have to eat the whole Eucharist because she doesn't, she already has eternal life, right? Or, well, even Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they did not have the divine life. Okay. Okay. By being sinless, even in the beginning, they were not, they did not participate in the life of the Trinity. They were, it had human life, but not partakers of the divine life. What What's so beautiful about Jesus, the divine life comes down and takes on human life so that then he can incorporate us into his very self and he can take us back up into glory and we become partakers of the divine nature. We actually become adopted sons of God. We actually partake of the divine nature. We share in the life of the Trinity. So Mary, by doing that also, is then partaking and sharing also uh, in the life of the Trinity. So she's participating in a divine nature. Okay, yes. that, 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 that makes sense. Because she's not divine. She's just a sinless human being. Right. But her son then brings her up like the rest of us through his body and blood and through his grace and the Holy Spirit right. to right. bring her into the divine life the same way. And the point you made earlier, therefore, it's not gross that she eats her own son in, in, in a natural sense, because the mother still has the child as part of her DNA. Right. And she doesn't yeah. go up and bite his finger off or anything like that. I mean, this is a sacramental receiving of the body and blood of Christ in a sacramental way. Now, if we went and bit his arm off or something every time we had a bite, then that would be a little strange. But that, you know, it is the body and blood of Christ in a sacramental right. way. It is all his pure body. And Mary then would partake of that as well. Yeah. I always recommend people do that. You know, since the priest is in persona Christi, I recommend that people just go up and eat the priest, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also part of the body of Christ, buddy. You be careful. <laughs> so Karen, um, Bill Myers says, thanks for having Steve on. I'm wondering what he knows about the era of peace. Some say it will be a triumph of our lady's immaculate heart as she stared at Fatima. Well, um, as she stated at Fatima, probably. I'm not sure about the era of peace. I've been to Fatima a lot of times. In fact, I'm taking a group there this May. If anybody wants to go with us, we're going to go this May. But Mary, um, Mary asked us to pray, and we're also for Russia that there would be an era of peace. But that, I, if I remember right, it was based on if we pray, there will be the conversion of souls. You need to pray. You need to be fervent in prayer so that my son can do these things. Many people are going to hell because no one's praying for them. Be involved in praying the rosary, praying for these things. And um, I, I, I don't think we've done too well at it, um, although you know, Russia did fall. The Soviet Union fell. And I think that was part of that era of peace brought about by Mary, that the, that Russia was really a power, uh, evil power, and the Soviet Union fell. It collapsed at the hands of who? John Paul II and, and Ronald Reagan. I mean, that, that was an amazing thing I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Hmm. And when the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union collapsed, that was really something. And, you know, today, in some ways, Russia is the most Christian country in the world in many ways. It is. In many ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The people have come back to the church. It's the Eastern or Russian Orthodox, but they back right. to back to the church of the, of the Orthodox and back to the Eucharist. And uh, yeah. so I, I, I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a miracle when, when Vladimir Putin, you know, he, he restored that relationship and the dignity of the church back in, back in Russia. I mean, that's well, definitely, definitely prayer. Um, 
brought that about. Bless Mother Mary. Yeah. Melanie, Melanie, she says, um, Steve brings church teachings alive. But Steve, you not you, but you not only bring them alive in your videos, you you've been taking tours in throughout the world. You got your and I want you to talk about this because you have some things coming up soon. You got the conference coming up soon, and also you have tours of Lourdes and Fatima, St. Paul in Ireland coming up. And talk to us about that and also um, take us through your, your website showing how people can okay. find out more. Well, thanks to Melanie for those kind words. I appreciate that very much, Melanie. And if it's and if it is true what you say, I bring it alive. It's the blessing of God. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Well, I have a website. You can see it right there. You go by catholicconvert.com. It's catholicconvert.com. And I on there, you'll see my schedule on the right-hand side. And on the left is a blog. I put things up there every day on the blog. What you see right there is a conference that I'm putting on January 8 through 10. It's free. And I have over 50 speakers. Scott Hahn, Jeff Cavins, Father Mitch Pacwa. You, you wouldn't believe the speakers that said they wanted to speak. And it's going to be a free conference. You just go to the website. Um, it's, it's on there somewhere. Well, it's on my website. You can go to my website. And a virtual Catholic conferences is the website. And it's a free conference for three days. You can listen to any of those speakers you want to. And there's going to be a lot of resources available. And then if you want to have access to it from then on, look at the list of speakers that we have here. Those are the speakers that have already agreed. And it's all about the Bible. Everything Bible for the Catholic is what it is. It's called a journey into the Bible. So these are the speakers that are going to all be on there for those three days. So sign up. It's free. Free registration. And you could stay on there all weekend and listen to talks all weekend if you want. So now also on my website, we have pilgrimages. I have, we take at least five to eight pilgrimages a year to the Holy Land. And there's, there's us on a boat right there on the Sea of Galilee. See, go right, click on, when you go to my homepage, click on that and they'll take you to my pilgrimage page. There we go. And see the upcoming pilgrimages. I also have videos from past pilgrimage. If you go to that one, you can join any one of our last 10 years of pilgrimages by video. We have two hours of video for every single pilgrimage we've gone on. So those are all there. You click on those and the video pops up, a Vimeo high definition video. You can watch them. We went to the, all the Holy Land, Poland, Ireland, Guadalupe, Lords and Fatima, St. Paul Cruises, all of those. And you can join those. If you want to come with us on a pilgrimage, we're going to get going back again next year. And um, I have hundreds of pages of free documents that you can use all about Mary, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, back to my, my other site on Catholic Convert. If you go there up on resources, second one over there, if you go to resources, all of those are free stuff that you can print out, pages and pages of stuff. And then I have my store where I have all my books and my movies all kinds of stuff. Over a hundred conversion stories on there too that you get from Islam to Catholic, from Baptist to Catholic, from Jehovah's Witnesses to Catholic. Wow. I got hundreds of conversion stories you can read. Wow. And as I said, Steve, this is this is many years ago. I'm just gonna type this in, David Gray. Let's see. You guys can go here, and he has David Gray story from there. It is. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yes, yeah, Steve, man, you you're you are a treasure of the Catholic Church, and we appreciate oh, okay. everything that you've um 
you've done over over the years um, that you continue to do. God has blessed you, and he, you through you He has blessed us, and we just we just thank you. Well, for Everything. being on here with you Everything. for an hour, I'd have to say it looks like you're a treasure of the church too, David. <laughs> All right, so um, I had one more thing. Um, oh yeah, so um, so your tours that that are coming up this year are they are they 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 depending upon what may happen with the um with the countries and COVID yeah. and all this stuff. It all is. We, you know, we're just hoping and praying. We thought that the virus would just be around for a few months. And now it's still, Israel is still closed to this day. I couldn't go to Israel right now if I wanted to, but there's indications that it's going to open up. Israel just got the vaccine. They're going to start vaccinating all the people. And when they do that, they're going to open up because they're not going to be afraid of people bringing the virus in like they were before. Yeah. So my hope is that in the next couple months, Israel will be opened. We'll be able to take our five groups to Israel this year. But you know, it's going to be so delightful. David is the last year. It was so crowded in Israel. Four and a half million pilgrims were there in that tiny little country. And you had to stand in line for three hours sometimes to see things. For the next two or three years, it's going to be empty. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see the Holy Land, come with me in the next couple of years. We don't have to wait in line. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We'll own the Holy Land. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of like, you know, you've been to a amusement park and you have to pay extra for a pass to get you right in front of the yeah. line. It's yeah. going to be like that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on Talking Catholic. Hey, you guys um, in the Talking Catholic audience, those who are going to listen to this live broadcast on video or audio, make sure you get over to Steve's website. That is catholicconvert.com. And uh, once again, Steve, thank you for coming on Talking Catholic. Hey, it's been delightful to be with you, David. Keep up the good work. That's uh, You know, it's great to see and know people like you that are out there doing the work and bringing souls to Christ and building the church and doing it in a classy way. So God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless thee. Okay. Bye-bye. Fool me. We can't get fooled again.